Happy New Year. Ah, good to see you, Happy buddy. 20. Happy oh, 2020. Thanks a lot. It's going to be a great year. Ah, it's, it's roaring. It's the roaring 20s. We're roaring uh, into it. I'm going to stop the voice. I, I can feel, feel myself uh, uh, Bernie Sandersizing. I'm going to try to stop the voice, but uh, <laughs> I don't know if I can. No, that's no promises right. here. No promises. It's more of a Harvey Firestein. I'm not even trying to do anybody. It's just uh, I'm coming over. I'm coming off a cold. Coming off a terrible cold. Worst cold I've had. I'm sorry. (laughs) So the actual voice is uh, not much of an improvement. Can we blame uh, air travel for this uh, condition? Sure. Yeah. 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 Um, Is it happened uh, as I? yeah, probably in the plane, or there was a lot of uh, there was a lot of handshaking and hugging and cheek kissing. Mm-hmm. Uh, my my father passed away. Yeah, which was sad. Um, but then there was a lot of stuff after that that involved a lot of contact, <laughs> a lot of long holding of hands, uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, touching of faces, uh, a lot of uh, you know. Uh, face goop, a lot of tears, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Lot of, and everybody had a cold and the flu. People were from all over, yeah, region. So I grief I think just is, a, is not not sanitary, not a sanitary situation. No. So if it wasn't the plane, then it was the Penwell Gable funeral home. Uh, <laughs> I expect. I don't know who to blame. Yeah. You should feel free not to answer this question, uh, and I do not mean it in the uh, in the belittling way it could be taken. But any highlights? Oh. <laughs> any interesting? Uh, interesting? Because w- when my grandmother died last year, I had lots of fascinating encounters with people from the past, um, and uh, this but, happens at funerals. Well, the highlight is the companionship of, of uh, and the <laughs> deepening of family bonds of the survivors sure and uh uh and friends you know getting in touch even just a little uh sorry to hear sure or more extended we're we're all uh, uh those were highlights sort of the way that it uh uh, uh you know re- re- rekindled deepened enriched uh you know Connections. I uh, went to a thing yesterday. Um, a kid that uh, Oliver went to, uh, this is my younger son, went to high school with. They're all sophomores in college now. And um, this is a horrible story. This um, this young man was home for uh, winter break mm-hmm. and was just eating eating dinner with his family and just died. His heart failed, and it was a un- pre- previously undiagnosed heart condition. And it just gave gave up, mm. um, and so he was a really sweet kid. I have fond memories of him uh, helping Oliver build a, ga- a gaming PC, <laughs> and how excited <laughs> how excited they were about it. Um, but the the parents, who are really really nice people, obviously are are going through a sure. terrible terrible time right now. But they decided to because you know the kids all disperse. You sort of 
almost, I, I think if, you know, my, my own experience was I almost sort of aggressively forgot my high school friends when I went to college because I was so yeah. eager to start a new life. And eventually you get back in touch with some of those people. But, um, yeah. So they, they, um, had a, not even a memorial service. It just sort of let's, let's gather and talk about Paul event, uh, yesterday at their house. And, uh, on the way over, Oliver, uh, he hasn't lost any friends in his life yet, luckily. And he just said, I don't, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm dreading it. I don't know what to say. And I said, oh, good, because <laughs> no, literally no one knows what to say. Yeah. Because there's nothing yeah. you can say. And, yeah. you know, showing no up. No rehearsal. And, yeah. Showing up, saying you're sorry, and just talking talking to people like they're, uh, like life is normal, which it is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it ended up being a, just a really lovely, uh, lovely gathering. I'm sorry so, to hear that. Yeah, and I of course was very sorry to hear about your dad. I, I wish I'd gotten Thanks. a chance to meet him, but uh, I heard some. I've heard so much about him from you that I I feel yeah. like I know him. Yeah, well, I'll probably keep talking about him. Please. Yeah. But uh, <coughs> what have you? Uh, so we haven't talked for a while. No. So much has happened. I had all that. It's been a rough few months for me. But a lot of highlights. A lot of travel, though. Um, I haven't really read anything notable. Mm-hmm. Uh, haven't eaten anything notable. So I don't have much to report. <laughs> well, that's a wrap uh, then. What have you been doing? <laughs> uh, I can't say that I have been eating anything notable. Although um, Oliver has become uh, vegan, so and that's mm. and when he's here over break, um, we have to pivot a little bit to cook yeah. because we often accidentally eat vegan cuisine, but not habitually um right and so uh this is sort of connected to this thing that stephanie started doing which is adding she she has a normal person job um and even when i'm working my schedule is pretty open and i can work when i want to and uh so i i cook the meals during the week usually and uh she's taken to putting a, a recipe on we have a shared note uh with the week's dinners that we're going to make uh, so we can get the groceries and prepare to cook them. And she just throws a wild card on there, like a new recipe that I haven't preview- previewed before that uh, now I have to go cook. Um, yeah. And some of these have started to be uh, vegan stuff so that uh, Oliver can eat them. I should have opened a tab about this. Um, what the? Uh, Adelengi, that guy. You know that guy? Right. Yeah, a little bit. you got to re- remind me. He, he's not a pasta. I thought he was a pasta. No, no, he's not. He's a man. Oh, he's he's a he's a man. He's a pasta of a man. He I'd say. he a very the, manly pasta. Okay, yeah. here's uh, the thing I'm looking for. He is it two names? Otto, like Otto Darius no, no, Lenghi. No, no. His first no. name is Yodum. Yodum Otto Lenghi. He's okay. a thinking. Is he Israeli? Anyway, he's a he's a, sh- a chef and uh, and personality and uh, oh, here it is. And um, he writes his cookbooks, and the cookbooks are really good, so we use a bunch yeah. of his recipes. But this thing, <coughs> I think I might make this again tonight. It's the craziest recipe. It is a, a, a mushroom tray bake ragu. Um, and this is, from, uh, this is from an article in The Guardian where it just lists all the, all the Autolenghi recipes with mushrooms in them. Mm-hmm. Not all of them, but... Um, it, it contains, this thing contains three carrots, two onions, oyster mushrooms, porcini mushrooms, garlic cloves, tomatoes, olive oil, 
miso paste, harissa paste, tomato mm. paste, soy sauce, cumin seeds, lentils, barley, vegetable stock, coconut cream, red wine, salt and back pe- black pepper, and basil leaves. And you gotta you gotta uh, pump all this stuff into a food processor, most of it, and then uh, bake it. And it's it just you you look at the ingredients and the instructions and you think what is this thing even going to be? It's what how can this what is this? Yeah. And what comes out is incredibly good. It's a deep kind of umami flavor. All the all the uh, the mushrooms and the and the lentils. I mean, my mouth is watering talking about. Do you it. cook the lentils before putting them in? I, I can't they, remember. You put in dry lentils. Maybe you sh- maybe you soak. Them. <clears throat> I don't think you do actually. They're t- you know they're tiny. They they suck up the. It's it's yeah. about a it's it's a there's a lot of prep time for this guy, um, but uh, I think I might make that again tonight. It it was it was uh, labor intensive but very delicious. So that's, that's been kind of a nice opportunity food wise. I got I do have books to recommend, but we usually do that at the end. Yeah. Well, I'm curious. Are you reviewing anything lately? Been, how's your reviewing chops? I I I feel like I made a strategic error. To, I I have I've turned down a few things, and I don't like to do that. Right. Um, there's a book I got from the LRB. Yeah. And they. Um, I've done this once before. <laughs> I once got the book, and it was absolutely terrible. So I had to say, no, I can't. I know you just sent me this from Britain, but I just can't. So I did that again. <laughs> and um, I received no response to the email when I said, actually, I'm not going to review this book. And then another place where I review books, I was asked would you like to review this book? And I said, oh, God, no, I have a history with this writer. I, can't, I just can't. And uh, Was it me? It was, it was not you. <laughs> okay. And then they, uh, the, per- the person wrote back and said, the editor wrote back and said, oh, uh, actually, you were mistaking, you're mistaking this for another author with a similar name. I didn't mean this person. I meant this other person. But it turns out I also have a weird history with that person. Not personal, yeah. just with their work. Um, there yeah. just happen to be two writers whose names I get mixed up, both of whom I don't want to review. And I think I overreacted a little. Mm. And now I'm not getting any yeah. any commissions. Like, and then I, I wrote yeah. and asked this editor if I could review the, uh, if I could review the new um, – uh, Jenny Offill, because uh, I really like her and a new book. He thought her. you were talking about Chris Offill. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, you know the K- Kentucky writer. She's got a big old beard. Mm, big, big, thick beard. Rich yeah. beard. Anyway, and I did not get a response to that email either. So yeah, I feel like I'm. A- I've accidentally burned some bridges. Like neither none of these. It's the kind of thing where. Okay, here's all right. Let me back up again. I got I got a I got a request to do to write something for a special issue of a magazine. Okay. And um it was very unusual theme. You can say who it is. It's Cat Fancy. I actually will say who it is because the it has a happy ending and the piece is going to okay. be published. I wish you Oh man, if Cat Fancy Cat Fancy, the special dog issue.
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to read that. <laughs> oh boy. Yes. It would be so it would be so condescending. <laughs> Wonderful. Dogs from the point of view of cats. Um okay, so uh i I hope you understand uh net th- your own joke now that I explained it to you. Yes, thank you. Um yeah. it's a Granta and there's a, a guy oh. now um a guy I kinda online now corresponded a bit who's editing, a really smart guy and a good writer, and he the theme is gonna be membranes. And I was gonna try to which I thought was very unusual and I was kind of excited about it. And I thought maybe something from Subdivision would work. I didn't have any stories that fit. Um, and uh, I, but I looked, I tried to extract something from Subdivision, but I just, can't, I can't. It's, unlike most of my books, it's completely unacceptable. Everything, it, o- it only makes sense if you re- read it from the beginning. So I, I finally said, yeah, you know what? I can't, I don't have anything. I'm sorry. And he did an unusual thing, which is he basically said, come on. <laughs> he, he said Lydia Davis has said yes and said a couple of other writers I really like they've all said yes do you want to say no do you really want to say no to this and I said okay you're right you, you feel like you're a bigger deal than Lydia Davis yeah well okay. you know I, I greatly admire her I want to be in the same issue as her yeah. um, no he knew he knew exactly how to push my buttons I want to be in the magazine yeah. with Lydia so um, so I so I wrote something, and it's I think it's the beginning of a novel. Um, oh. Yeah, some future novel. I don't know if I'll ever write it, but it, yeah. it reads like a novel excerpt, but, a, but I think a compelling one. And it's very much on the topic. Um, I, had, I, had already, I had already started, started toying with it before he commissioned me or before he asked for the piece. But, um, but once the word membranes entered my head, it suddenly t- changed a little bit, so he's a bit responsible for how it turned out. That's pretty good. Yeah. It seems kind of like a, con- a country way of saying rememberings. <laughs> membranes. Membranes. I'm having some membranes. <laughs> My mucus remembrance. Oh, don't bother him. He's having membranes problems. <laughs> he's in the membranes ward. <laughs> no, it ain't locked. You yeah. can go on in. So they left. They forgot to lock it. He walked out. Now he's membraneing all around town. <laughs> you hardly ever go into town these days without seeing old membrane Bill. <laughs> do you, can I go on? Do you want to? You want to continue? No, no. Bit? You go on. <clears throat> you go on, John. <laughs> with your membranes. All right, Senator. Uh, so is this mic on? Is this mic on? <laughs> So I wrote the thing and I sent it to him and I said, what do you think? And he, his response was, I was, I was a little hurt by it. (laughs) It it said, he started out comparing it unfavorably to other things. (laughs) And then he started, there were valid critiques, but he was framing them as this is not how human psychology works. This is how human psychology works. And by the end of it, I couldn't tell if he actually wa- if this meant I want to publish it. You should do another draft, or I just wanted to spend a long time thinking about reasons that this is bad. So I kind of called him on it, and then immediately felt bad for it about it. Yeah, 
I thought, oh no, I shouldn't. I should. He, I, you know, he. Sh- I should be able to take blunt criticism the same way I expect, say, my students to or my friends to. Um, so I shouldn't have to ask him for clarification because my my request for clarification was genuine, but it was also a little passive aggressive. It was also right. a way of saying. So you like it or what? Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And then, he, but of course, he. And then I felt, you know, I I lost sleep over it. I thought mm-hmm. I'd been rude. And, but then, of course, he wrote to me, and he thought he'd been rude, and he apologized, and then we edited it, and it turned out turned out great. So it's going to be in Granta, um, I'm pretty sure, unless some 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 higher up vetoes it, but I don't think that's going to happen. Um, so yeah, I, I I feel like my sabbatical. What happens is when I'm not at work, it and I have time to think, I start to catastrophize about. Uh, so, social miscues for sure right like a, a stoned person <laughs> yeah yes yeah no uh you're on sabbatical this term as well no no you're working i'm working i'm starting uh a week from tuesday mm-hmm. uh i feel good about it i i, I haven't taught the graduate workshop in an extra long time because of the way mm. the sabbatical uh, schedules have worked out. And um, I barely know any of the students I'm about to, to teach. Um, mm-hmm. I've had only a little bit of contact with most of them. So uh, yeah. I'm, I'm uh, really excited to, to get to know them. They're good at writing, and I'm, I want to see what they're doing. That's good. That seems like it would be helpful for a graduate student in writing to, to be good at it. <laughs> Writing? Yeah. <laughs> that seems like a step in the right direction. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So before we leave the subject of um, of uh, death and funerals, mm-hmm. I attended a, another memorial service <coughs> a few months mm-hmm. ago that was fascinating and I thought that I would bring up. I don't think I mentioned this on the previous uh, episode because I left a note to myself to talk about it. But did you, did you ever meet James McConkie? No. No, I don't think I did. Um, author of Court of Memory. It's a memoirist. He's much beloved in Ithaca. He taught at Cornell for a million years. One of his sons, um, Larry McConkie, it was the first great Steadicam operator. Mm. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'll, fi- I'll find this... Uh, he gave this interview. Um, you know this the famous scene in Goodfellas, where the where um, they get out of the car and they go into the Copacabana. Yeah, that long. I always thought it was a tracking shot. It was a steady cam shot. It's a steady cam shot, and it ends with Henny Youngman uh, doing stand up. Yeah. yeah, he's taking he's taking uh, so Lorraine Bracco. Uh, yeah, yeah. In through the back door or the side door, the yeah. side entrance, they go to the kitchen. Exactly, they, exactly. Yeah. Ray Liotta yeah. and Lorraine Bla- uh, yeah. Bracco. So, yeah, um, it's a great scene. So, <laughs> let me find this this quote. I'll I'll link to this article, which is great. Um, okay. There t- he says there are te- so. Uh, so Scorsese told him 
um, he, you know, gave him some creative license. He said, he basically said, we want to start with this close up. We're going to get him tipping somebody in there. We want to go through the kitchen. We want, you know, we want to get the moving of the table. There were certain things that were, that had to happen in the shot. But of course he, and when they started the shot, Scorsese wasn't, wasn't there and they had to, they had to sort of react to stuff that, that happened, that they discovered as they were trying to do the shot. Mm-hmm. So he's, this is a quote from McConkie. There are technical problems when you're trying to do an uncut shot. You want the wide and you want the tight in the same shot, but how do you connect the two? Do you just wait while the camera trundles in? You can't do that. So we essentially had to invent a way to edit it in the shot. I had to be wide to follow Ray and Lorraine down the stairs, because otherwise it would be a shot of the tops of their heads. But when they got to the bottom of the stairs, they turned a corner, and they would disappear if I didn't catch up to them. So I said, Ray, we have to figure out a way for you to stall at the bottom of the stairs so I can catch up to you. Joe Reedy, who I guess is one of the producers, says, we have a lot of extras, so we can have a doorman, and Ray could talk to him. Then someone came up with the idea, you know what, Ray should give him a tip. Now we're echoing a theme that's built into the character and built into the movie. Then walking down the hallway, I said, Ray, I want to see your face now, so we've got to figure out a reason for you to turn around. He said, (laughs) well, I can talk to somebody else in the hall. So we brought in a couple who were making out, and Ray would turn and say, every time, you two. So we structured events within the shot that covered the limitations of not being able to cut in order to give it pace and timing. What I didn't expect and what I only figured out later was that all these interactions ended up being the heart and soul of the shot because Ray incorporated his character into those moments. So the whole, the whole uh, interview is really good. So anyway. That's, uh, that's, that's not the way that I imagined that that would have been created. No. <laughs> I know it's, it's, such, it's such a memorable shot that it seems like they would have, uh, uh, like all that was in place and, uh, you know, the, the cameraman had to figure out a way to capture those things instead of coming up with them. Yeah. I yeah. feel like, I feel like I, I have, I have naive ideas about how collaborative art artwork is done, you know, being yeah. someone who works alone. Yeah. Um, and even when I'm, you know, get edits from somebody I'm alone when I do the work. Um, I've been working on this opera with, uh, with my composer collaborator, Seth Boosted. We have a draft now. We're done with it, but um, but he he said, "Don't get uh, confident because it's all going to change as soon as people try to sing it." No. <laughs> because all he's doing is playing it on the piano, you know, and imagining mm-hmm. people singing. And you know, he said, "This this here's a trombone part, but I don't I don't even know if a trombone can play this." Mm-hmm. <laughs> he said, "I got to run it by a trombone player." Mm-hmm. So I feel like uh, even if you know, even if things are lavishly planned, when you're making something as absurdly complex as a, a movie with a large cast, I imagine you, yeah, you've got to pivot. Yeah. So anyway, his dad, uh, Jim, wonderful guy, uh, memoirist, uh, Ithacan, died at I think ni- he was 98, um, and I literally talked to him at the supermarket. The week before he died, he was he was pushing his own cart at at the supermarket. The week before he died at ninety eight, which to me is a, is how you want it to go. Um. So, uh, but he'd asked to be buried in this um this place called Green Springs Natural Cemetery Preserve, and it's just it's just a hill. It's a hill. In Newfield, New York, it's 130 acres of just meadows, and just people are 
buried there, usually without caskets, usually just with a shroud. And um, I got kind of lost. I, I followed the directions. It's not apparently the 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 it's not correctly placed on um, on GPS, so you can't use your phone to get there. You have to follow the instructions, but the instructions involved, you know, leading you this complicated way to a dirt road, and then off the dirt road, there's a sign that ha- that says Green Springs Natural Cemetery Preserve, and you turn left at the sign and go to the top of the hill, and that's where everyone will be. And I saw the sign, and I turned, and there's there's nobody there. There was a radio tower. Um, and I just I I was three minutes early maybe i mean i couldn't possibly have been the first one there um so i started just walking around it was a warm warm fall day sunshine Um, are you speaking but you also might not have known exactly what to expect i didn't it's a sort of a you know experimental cemetery (laughs) so you thought well maybe this is it i i think in the back of your head you might think uh, i guess this is how cemeteries are now <laughs> yeah i had no idea what to expect i hadn't ever attended a service here i i assumed there would be something like in a conventional cemetery where there's a pre-dug hole and people standing around it and so on eventually we did we did get to that but um it could have been anything as far as i'm concerned so i wandered around i found an old radio tower i found a abandoned uh trailer and then an old guy came bicycling up the way. He also turned left at the sign and couldn't find. And then the third guy came, and we were all wandering around, like going over the next hill to see if everybody was on the other side. And um, finally, the the bike guy said, oh, "I'm going to go check the go to back down the road and see if we missed something." And he never returned. So finally, the 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 Guy three and me, yeah. we we drive a little farther down the road, and lo and behold, there's a second bigger sign. They just assumed we wouldn't notice the little sign. Yeah, and everyone, and we now we were late, yeah. and a lady ran out into the road, waving her arms at me, not to continue driving, to pull over now because the the casket was being borne on a wooden cart down the dirt road. And uh, from then on, I, I was a little embarrassed to be late, but uh, but from then on, it was it was lovely. Um, it was a, a, the body was shrouded, covered you know covered with flowers. I was probably the youngest person there by about twenty years. Yeah. Um, no, there was there were some family, some uh, little kids. <coughs> it was a good hour of like just to, they just gave the op- it was non denominational. They just gave the uh, op- people an opportunity to share some memories of Jim. Um, I, I left that to people who knew him better than I did, but so the whole thing was graveside. Yeah, the whole thing was graveside, uh, and then they, yeah. you know, lowered lowered him in on uh, ropes, and uh, and it's in the in the style of a Jewish funeral. Everybody everybody threw on some dirt. Everybody dug dirt from the pile. Um, it was beautiful, and uh, it was hard to be too sad that someone had lived such a long and and fulfilling life. Uh, right up to the end, but uh, but it got me thinking. Maybe I maybe I would like to subject people to this same uh, delicious confusion when I when I perish. 
Seems like it would be easy to execute. You just have to. I know. I don't, have, I don't want to be executed. Come on. <laughs> well, <laughs> no one wants to be executed. No one wants to be executed. <laughs> yeah, you could pre-print some some programs and some instructions in a map. Yeah. Uh, treasure hunt style. <laughs> Clues, riddles, in in sort of forced rhyme. You, know. you want? You got any sample? Any uh, sample verses? Mm, no. <laughs> yeah. Um, Take the right whoa. off of Route 32 to the place where, if it's raining, there's mud on your shoe. There you go. Now you have it. Yeah. I think you're you're getting the spirit of the thing. Yeah, to go find the yeah. meadow and and uh, plunge right in, find the tree with a similar twin. Mm-hmm. Uh, cemeteries this way this the little sign boasts uh, two of these three people on bicycles are ghosts <laughs> now that would have been a surprise ending <laughs> oh. Oh. Uh, New Year's did you stay up to uh, yeah, we did. bring it we, in? We actually f- used... This, this horrible year that's coming up? Oh, my God. It's, it's, it wasn't a good first <laughs> week in, here in America. No, it's going to be <laughs> worse. It's going to get worse. Yeah, it really is, isn't it? Um, yeah. Can I, I... I want to uh, take this opportunity, though, to... I didn't, I didn't... We didn't do anything interesting on New Year's oh. Eve. We did... We used... Stephanie's father's uh, um, cable login to to use the whatever NBC app. I think the whatever the least appalling of the of the networks uh, for their ball dropping show, which was terrible. Um, but do they have the do they have Matthew Barney do a ball dropping show? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I would like that. Mm-hmm. Matthew Barney's lubricated New Year. <laughs> no, um, I gotta write that down. Um, With Bjork, <laughs> I just saw a great video the other day of um, Bjork's Bjork's home studio um, when she was like twenty-one and had. Here, it's. I'll link to it in the notes. She's. Um, She's she has no she has no furniture um, other than well there's some there's a tiny hearth about about the size of a wastebasket with no fire lit in it and on top of it there's a there's like a I'll show I'll send you the link um, on top of this hearth everything's the walls are white the floor is wood and there's there's little to no furniture hold on let me let me get this to you. Oh, for Christ's sake! Now I have to find the window yeah, with the I know. with the messages on it. Oh, there's the little open yeah. conversation. Yeah, there we go. There we go. Send the link to Edward. Anyway, uh, 
and there's a model ship um, sitting on top of the hearth, and she has a she's got a she's got a mixing board and um, something that looks like a weird chair or no a cassette four track a Casio keyboard couple of speakers and it's all just lying on the floor not on tables or anything she's got a i think this is a yamaha qy10 sequencer that i the same thing i made my whole uh 100 songs album on i'm proud to mm-hmm. say um but uh, is that a loom does she have a loom i can't figure out what that is i think it might be a loom of some kind but for making a specialized one for making a very specific small uh uh, um, object, a child's mitten. Yeah, <laughs> the left, a child's left mitten. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, yeah. Uh, so yeah, uh, uh, yeah. We did. I did not watch the Matthew Barney New Year uh, extravaganza. Mm. Um, but I want to. I want. I have a bone to pick. A two-year-old bone to pick, which is <laughs> the. You know how the. I guess in two thousand. Uh, the trope of the—I guess you wouldn't call it a trope—but glasses made out of the year. So glitter- that was big at the millennium. Yeah, it was big at the I millennium. remember uh, looking, celebrating New Year's Eve on uh, Bourbon Street, uh, Bourbon and Barracks, not in the main scrum, but off in the neighborhood. Yeah. Looking up and seeing Richard Ford looking down from his balcony <laughs> <coughs> with with giant uh, two thousand, you know, two thousand. Uh, glasses on. Was he exposing his breasts to the street as well? I think there was a little nip slip. <laughs> no, he was wearing a suit. Okay, sure. I think he was having a party. I was. I didn't know him. I just knew that that was his house. Oh, we were right. at a party across the street. Yeah. <laughs> it's sort of like the Pope appearing on the balcony. Yeah. To wave at the the literati. Watching the fireworks. Oh, I see. Sure. Um, so they continued. You know, when two thousand one rolled around, they they made another pair of glasses, and this continued uh, all the way up until the double zeros went away. But then <laughs> they tried to keep doing it anyway. Yeah. And then for years, it would be like some awkward, like the one would have a slot in it or something. Yeah. It was just not cool. And so they continued making these awkward year glasses up through the 2010s. And then, in 2018, they had an opportunity. And no one took it. And the opportunity was for the eight to be the glasses. And for the year to be very tall. And to stand up above your head like a top hat. Yeah. As you peered through the eight. Or to dangle down like a gas mask. <laughs> yes. <laughs> or a or a beard. You'd be like yeah. a you'd, beard. Yeah, you'd be like, like Tutankhamun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm still still mad about it. Well, you could have. Yeah, you, you could have made it, John. I could have. You I can. Could've. You can still make it. I can still make it. Maybe yeah. I will. I just make it a cardboard. I would have to. Yeah. I'd have to get some glitter, and I'm against glitter, but it might be worth it. Um, and then I could. Uh, wow, well, I could. I could, and then I could retcon it. I could like uh, chain. You know, I could take some 
fake revelry photos and then put, and then mm-hmm. change the metadata so it said January 1st 2018 yeah. and then I eventually I even I would forget that it was fake yeah okay yeah. I think I think we have a plan in your remembrances <clears throat> your membranes it would be as if it had happened yeah exactly in my mem- my membrane <laughs> in your membrane there's another note I had for myself, um, which is to mention something that I had completely forgotten about until Stephanie brought it up. Um, uh, do you remember Hands Across America? Of course. I hadn't thought about Hands Across America. I don't know where she read about it, but it was before her time, and she said, Have you ever heard of Hands Across America? Hmm. I was I was shocked to hear this. It was um, maybe nineteen seventy nine or eighty. Uh, it was eighty six. Eighty six. Yeah. For those not in the know, it was a public event on Sunday, May twenty fifth, nineteen eighty six, in which approximately six point five million people held hands for fifteen minutes in an attempt to form a continuous human chain across mm. the contiguous United States. Yeah. Did not. Did not quite work. I think it was not organized by people who had traveled very widely around <laughs> the United States. <laughs> yeah. People who had never uh, crossed the plains. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Perhaps. Yeah, like uh, I can imagine. I can imagine uh, regional regional hands across America directors asking, "Have you have you guys ever d- you dri- been to North Dakota? Have you ever driven from Amarillo to Albuquerque? Because." <laughs> Um, but there were celebrities at every major location, yeah. as anchors, and the uh, the New New York people included um, Liza Minnelli, Brooke Shields, and Cardinal John O'Connor. <laughs> um, Harry Belafonte was on the George Washington Bridge with Yoko Ono. Mm-hmm. Dionne Warwick and Tony Danza were in Trenton. Mm-hmm. Jerry Lewis and Scott Baio were in Philly. And in Baltimore, are you ready? You ready for who the anchors were in Baltimore? Divine and just divine. <laughs> just divine. Yeah. Yeah, and a bunch of divine impersonators. Yeah. yeah. No, um, but there's a good, very good guess. Uh, no, uh, Emmanuel Lewis and, <laughs> and R2-D2. <laughs> <laughs> That's very nice of you. It's almost as if they thought... Let's try to figure out who's the only celebrity with no hands. Yeah. That's who we need for this event. We need the smallest celebrity and a no-handed one. Oh, I saw that Star Wars movie. No, Chewbacca was in Cincinnati, by the way. Oh, good. Good. (laughs) Oh, oh, Eddie. I I saw it, too. Yeah, it was terrible. It was it was really bad. It was really bad. I always get a little enjoyment also, out of being a bad also, Star Wars also, movie, but also not fun. Yeah. Nope. It wasn't fun and it was bad. I compared it uh privately <laughs> to Not publicly. I actually no, I tweeted this and then deleted it three minutes later because I just didn't want to deal with the grief. But I um I compared it to um Watching Donald Trump uh, undo every one of Obama's best uh, legislative accomplishments. 
Mm-hmm. That was basically what this movie did with, but with the less, Last Jedi. With less relish. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. But uh, I'm sure people have already conformed their own opinions. Oh, yeah. No, they can't. That. There's only the, There's only the one. It's a bad movie. I watched The Watchmen. Oh, I'm four episodes in. I I'm well. You you look ambivalent. I'm ambivalent. I'm, I like the um, the crew that wrote it. Mm-hmm. I think Leela's episode number three was a was a corker. That's very good. Yeah. Do you know that Damon Lindelof gave her as a gift when they wrapped the season? Gave her in a in a, in a fitted into the briefcase that's in the show, the giant blue dildo <laughs> prop. <laughs> Very good. As a gift, yeah. Very good. So yes, we, I think you were about to say what you thought its weaknesses were. Oh, I think like like almost every other television show, it, it falls apart. Um. Uh, almost all of these, you know, otherwise very fine, well-written, well-made television shows. About after about eight hours, seven or eight hours, they they start just relying on uh, wild coincidences. Oh, sure. To to contrive to move towards some sort of ending. And then I watched the Righteous Gemstones. Oh, with uh, John Goodman. John Goodman. Danny McBride, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Walt, the great Walton Goggins, um, and others. Um, and it's very good. Yeah? It's very good. Uh, but it had, uh, there was a little bit of music during a, a chase scene that I had, I had never heard before um, and needed to know more about. So I spent the last couple of days listening to a, 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 a Nashville rock band from the 70s called Barefoot Jerry. Ooh. Uh, particularly, this, the, my inauguration was this song that there's a little tiny bit of in the movie, in, yeah. in, the, in the Righteous Gemstones, which is called Smokies. What's that? And the Barefoot the Jerry Barefoot. is the band. Um, the song is called Smokies. Oh, okay. And it's delightful. And they've got uh, four or five other songs. It's all kind of Jesus-y. Sure. Um, to the point that I can make out some of the words occasionally, and they seem Bible-y. But luckily, I can't make out many of the words. Well, I like the song. I'm listening to it now. Yeah. It just chugles along. Very good. Yeah. Huh? All right. I'll link to that. Yeah. I actually have been um, – I'm on a bit of a country kick. Yeah. Both uh, listening to it. And making a bit of it. In you fact, have never expressed any interest or even much familiarity with the country genre. Uh, is that true? <clears throat> Maybe I think that's it's true. true. <coughs> um, well, one one thing I'm going to do here is I have Stephanie and I. We have this idea that um, we have a couple of times gone to visit. Um, my friends Adam and Elizabeth from from the Starry Mountain Band. And they live mm. in um, Chapel Hill, mm. and it's uh, it's a long drive. Um, but uh, we decided that Stephanie and I decided that we were going to try to make. We had this idea that we wanted to make a country playlist that the next time we drive down there to visit them, we could play the playlist and uh, 
not have a single repeated song. Yeah. And uh, we're up to six hours and five minutes currently. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, Stephanie has been the, the genius of this. She keeps... Uh, and it's just, a it's a ten ten hour drive according to yeah Google so Maps. we have we have a we have a ways to go and um I I had posted this on Twitter at some point and I it, I think I had called it Cowboy Up I was thinking of uh, Andy, Andy Greer's <laughs> novel, yeah. published novel wait he yeah. he didn't ever publish it did he no okay. <laughs> um and uh uh but uh, uh Dan Hornsby renamed it uh, "Carry Me to Carolina." <laughs> <laughs> which is the correct name for it. Yeah. So, uh, is, now, is the playlist ultimately going to have to cover the return journey as well? No. Well, no. No, I forgot about that. I mean, because that's another 10 hours. Yeah. I mean, there's enough country music in the world, but... Um, oh, yeah. But the discovery that uh, that Stephanie made is this album by a guy named Blanco Brown. Have you ever heard of him? No. He is... He'd previously been, I mean, still is a, a hip hop producer and songwriter, mm-hmm. and he, you know, pop. Um, and then he recorded a country album. He's African American. He's from uh, he's from Atlanta, and this album uh, is called uh, Honeysuckle and Lightning Bugs. It's just spectacular. Um, he's there's a song. This the first song in the record is called Temporary Insanity. And it's absolutely fantastic. Um, I highly recommend the entire album. There's it, the it's very country. There's banjos on it. There's lap steel guitar on it. Uh, you know, there's lots of acoustic guitars. But he's applying a lot of. He's borrowing a lot from hip hop. He's also like borrowing back from country stuff that you might not even. Re- realize had been borrowed from you know like blues by delta blues by african-american artists there's a lot of sort of country tones of voice and inflections that i've long associated with white artists that he is using and of course it sounds normal because it actually probably didn't entirely come from white artists to begin with Mm -hmm. and so as a mashup it almost feels like a like a like a coming home of country. It feels like instead of retrenching itself in eighties, uh, radio rock country had actually gone off in a different, perhaps more interesting direction. Mm-hmm. Um, and the songs are just so charming and wonderful. A lot of them are about depression and for, or states of mind. Um, there's one called, um, there's one called, uh, get old memories. That's G E G H E T T old memories where he's just remembering childhood or the singer of the song is remembering childhood in the city and how he loved summer days so much that he couldn't wait to go to bed at night so that he could relive all the day's events in his head, which, you know, which, which range from like, uh, you know, lightning bugs uh, or popsicles or his grandmother yelling at him or gunshots in the neighborhood. It was all just this sort of rich summer, uh, summer palette of experiences. Yeah. But the lady thinks we should start a country act. But would it be in duets like Conway and Loretta? I, I, you know, I picture it as a straight up, uh, straight up band, but, uh, 
Mm-hmm. We could do duet. The only problem with it is I don't know how hard to lean into country voice because it sounds like parody when I do it. Just do just do your own voice. All right. You don't want to have to get all country, do country music. Well, what anymore. what makes something? Well, you know, listening to the Blanco Brown album, which is definitely a country album, but it got me thinking yep. about what the hell makes a country song a country song. There's songs like one that Alice really likes called um, uh, Break Up in a Small Town. Do you know the song? Yeah. 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 She, talk- <laughs> she explained that song to me. I had yeah, Sam it Hunt. She was- yeah. 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 It's like, yeah. it's barely country. Yeah. It's barely country. If, like, if it were 1980, whatever, and I heard it play on the radio right after Sunglasses at Night and right, right before uh, You Give Love a Bad Name, mm-hmm. I wouldn't have batted an eye. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, that's, a good, that's a good song title, by the way. I wouldn't have batted an eye. <laughs> that's pretty that's good. Little, it's pretty good. That's, right. a good. that's a good song. All right, I'm gonna Tired, write yeah. that. I'm gonna write that down. Maybe it's more uh, more Noel Coward than Toby Keith, but <laughs> well, I don't know what makes a country song. Uh, <clears throat> Someone thing you said earlier is is that uh, oh, I just want know. to finish that thought, which oh. is the Sam Hunt song is really good, but I think in that case it comes from mostly from subject matter. Yeah, yeah. There's a there's a limited palette to country to a country song. There's a limited palette to a pop song, rock song, really. Um, um, I don't know. Um, you said earlier that, you know, what if it sounded as if, uh, country music had taken a different turn at 1981 or so. Yeah. Um, one, th- one thing that, that is tr- be guaranteed that the country is always going to take the least interesting direction. <laughs> um, but I love it. Uh, you, you identified, a few decades ago, one characteristic of a country song is that the the uh, the last line of the um, verse must be the first line of the chorus. <laughs> that is that is indeed a common thing to find in a country song. Mm-hmm. The thing that I the thing I found myself doing in that that song that I wrote that I that I'm getting from that I'm getting from Toby Keith is the is the internal rhyme. There's usually in line three a little internal rhyme. Blah, 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 A. Blah, 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 A. Blah, 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 B. Blah, 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 B. Blah, 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 A. Blah, 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 B is also a good name for a song. Or a monster. There's two of them. This is the second one. Yeah. It's the Italian uh, uh, remake of The Blob. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Good. Very good. Yeah. In in Antonioni's Blob, there's two of them. (laughs) Um, And the scientists, they have names, uh, but the scientists refer to them clinically as A and B. A and B. Yeah. Oh, that reminds me. I had. Uh, did I tell you about Apple A? No. Well, Corn- Cornell had the Cornell Orchard is where we usually get our apples. This the part of the ag school here at Cornell. Right. So they have apple orchards there. 
along with other sort of uh, university Apple yeah. things. They're they're trying things out. They're grafting. Good for them. They're combining. They're. I think it's time they tried new things. They're making mon- monstra- monstraples, mm-hmm. and um, they've got a new one called Apple A right now. Yeah, they've been working on it for a decade. It's n- yeah. they're now selling it at the orchards. The only, I guess, the only place on earth where you can get it. And they shouldn't. They shouldn't sell it. They shouldn't mess with Mother Nature. It'd be like a some Cronenberg <laughs> apple. Horrible things will happen if you eat this apple. Well, I've you already never, done it, John. You must not eat this apple. <laughs> you must forget about this apple. Uh, eventually, it will get a name. A more charming one, one hopes. But yeah. um but uh we we were really digging Apple A this fall. Sweet, crisp, both. Not uh cloying, it's got great great tooth, tangy, sweet. Yeah. Got got real snap, real snap. Real snap. Yeah. Sounds like a good apple. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. yeah. So you want to hear the books I like? Yeah. How are you feeling? You doing okay? Yeah, I'm doing all right. I uh, uh, it's just it's kind of been a, a struggle to talk and make sense. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I I need to try. Yeah. That's I feel right. like I'm trying. We're giving the people a, a, a Lenny episode. There's nothing wrong. Yeah. Uh, what you what you been reading? Oh, I heard it, when you you moved that piece of paper, <laughs> you had a look on your face where you were about to issue a statement. <laughs> no, I, my fellow I, I, Americans. I, I had some books. I don't know what what I did. All right. Well, I'll st- I'll start with the books. Helena so. Mar- Marie Helena Bertino. Yeah. You read there? You read her? I don't know. What's the book? She's got a few. I remember there's a title. I read a bunch of stories. Once stories. Okay, we got uh, uh two, two books of stories and two uh um two novels. She's got a very charming website, which is very unusual. Yeah. There's one called Parakeet. That's two- the new one. I haven't read that. To, oh, safe as houses. I think I've read some of the stories in this book. And uh, that's, a, that's the Bob. All, they all have Bob Dylan in them. <laughs> like she brings home like a uh, uh, Bob Dylan is, is like a friend who like rides along with her. Like uh, brings him brings him to the the house for New Year's. It's not like a date or anything. It's just like yeah. uh, he's just this is my friend, and it's 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 just, it's just Bob Dylan, and he talks, and he's got his gripes, and and uh, people mostly seem kind of put off by him, but. Uh, um, it, it works really well. It's oh, yeah, a really good. good book of stories. Yeah, safe as houses. Great. And I'm great. reading. I'm reading uh, 2 a.m. at the Cat's Pajamas now. That's a novel. It's, 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 it's good. It's a good. It's uh, seems to be unless there's some r- trick coming up. It seems to all be <laughs> um, in the course of a day. Yeah. And it reminds me of. Oh, I want to do one of those. Uh, I think it's a great thing to do. Today will be different. It's a, uh, <coughs> this doesn't take place in a day, but it's like a week. But, you know, the, the novel that you know I love, uh, The Waitress Was New. Yeah. It has it has uh, some of that 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 feel. Yeah, I love that book. Clever. I mean, it's, you know. 
That's all right. There's nothing wrong with clever. Clever has been a swear word for a long time, but I, I, I don't buy that. Yeah. Well, I've got a novel and a novel and a story collection to recommend. This the novel is called Theory of Bastards by Audrey Shulman. Yeah. I just read this, so I, I'd, I'd never heard of her. I think she's known as a science fiction writer. Um, but now I'm going to check out her other books. Um, it's a Europa Editions book. And it's very strange and very good. Uh, essentially, it takes place in the near future. And yep. the protagonist is a woman in her 30s who has suffered her whole life from uh, endometriosis. Oh, and that reminds me, one other thing. Um, uh, I want to link to and tell people about... Um, is an essay by my friend Nafisa Thompson Spires in the Parish Review mm-hmm. um, called On No Longer Being a Hysterical Woman. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a, an essay about her own bout with endometriosis, which is extraordinarily painful and um, chronic. And uh, or basically when think the closest thing to a cure for it is a hysterectomy, which is, of course, mm-hmm. freighted with all kinds of emotional baggage as well as being a major medical procedure. So this essay is really moving, funny, and she's a great writer. I think I've recommended her short stories before. Theory of Bastards is about this woman who is suffering from endometriosis, and after a long period of not wanting to get the surgery, finally does. And she's a um, sociologist who... Um, has been researching uh, love, yeah. Uh, while, f- while, as in a very literary way, has little, little uh, good experience with it herself, um, and she ends up um, wanting to do her next paper on bonobos, the okay. no- notoriously sweet-natured apes, yeah. Um, who, who, when they encounter. Uh, a situation like the appearance of food that Where would they make, start furiously masturbating. No, they all they they have an orgy basically. Oh, they just grab the nearest person and start fucking them. So, uh, and then they are calm. They calm down, and then they don't fight over the food. So it's like a it's like a way of not fighting with each other. Mm-hmm. So she's going to study them, and she studies them at this primate research center in the Midwest, um, and then. Uh, and is gradually recovering from her surgery and is feeling more and more like a capable, physically capable person as the pain recedes. And then there, because of climate change, there's a giant dust storm and she's stranded there with the bonobos and one other researcher. Essentially, the world is ending mm-hmm. and civilization is ending. Um, it's not much of a spoiler to to say this because it happens or beginning (laughs) who knows (laughs) anyway great book really unusual fantastic protagonist uh and the ape the bonobo stuff is just delightful um and uh, the other book is uh uh stories by juan martinez uh, best worst american uh i don't know this book there's a they're funny. They're fantastical. Juan is Colombian. He's, he lives in uh, Chicago. Teaches at Northwestern. Um, really nice guy. And he the stories. There's a little Bartholomew in there. A lot of the sort of '80s influences that you and I 
are familiar mm-hmm. with and like. I think mm-hmm. he's around our age. Uh, it's his first book came out a couple of years ago, and uh, I finally got around to reading it, and I think it's great. So, Jill just read and greatly enjoyed Severance. Oh yeah, excellent. She's been she's been on a reading tear. Great. And uh, we both just read Bunny. What's that? Bunnies. Bunny. Do you know this book? No. Oh, it's new. What's her name? My memory is horrible. Novel? Yeah. Mona Awad? Mona Awad. No, I haven't read it. Uh-huh. Uh, oh, cover. sure. I've seen this cover. Yeah. 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 The, well, it's a good cover. It's my uh, high school acquaintance, Jason Ramirez, did this cover. Oh, it's really cool. He's done a lot of these good covers. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, it's a, uh, it's a kind of uh, hard to describe, but like Heather's in an MFA program, a little kind of Witches of Eastwick, uh, but it's like a sinister cabal in an MFA program. Ah, very good. Yeah. Very good. Okay, I think I want to read that. Now I'm going back to work. I want to maybe immerse myself in the delights of MFA culture. Yeah, I, I uh, uh, despite it being said in an MFA, I, I, it, it, uh, it, it is not necessarily familiar. Yeah. Uh, I just want to I say. I liked uh, Andrew Martin's uh, yeah. MFA. Book. Was, really good. Yeah. I was going to mention that too. And it looks like his uh, story collection is coming out this year. Yes, that's great. Yeah. Cool, stories cool for America. Uh, uh, I read, uh, I don't know what's in it. Um, but I've read uh, three or four of his stories uh, over the years, <laughs> and I hope they're in it because they're all really good. Um, he's, a, he's a very funny writer. I feel like um, this the aversion to books about novels about writers, stories about writers, I do not share it. I love them. <laughs> I love them because in a way all books are about writers. Right, yeah. I'm averse to the um, – descriptions of them <laughs> but i i think everyone i've read i've enjoyed yeah. <laughs> you know sure yeah same with campus and academic novels um they they shouldn't be they shouldn't be <laughs> but then there they are and they're stoner you know they're yeah they're often very good yeah i agree i, I think it's because it's a it, the the academic novels often work because it's a subculture in which small slights are greatly right. magnified, right? And lucky so, Lucky Jim, exactly. I just read yeah. uh, Julie Schumacher's The Shakespeare Requirement, which is an academic comedy. It's pretty funny, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and the writer novels I think work because kind of similarly, the writers are both we kind of fancy ourselves to be worldly observers of the world right. um, but at the same time we're uh, hopelessly petty and desiring yeah. attention that we will never receive yeah fools yeah um, so yeah yeah the best uh, what is uh, <coughs> I'm thinking of I was saying this thing also but like movie I like movie movies I like movies about movies right yeah uh, <coughs> um, the, player, the player yeah. the player you know um um, trying to th- but for some reason, I'm thinking of uh, is it Tom Berenger who plays 
the writer in the movie Sliver. I don't think I've seen it. Oh, well, it's terrible. <laughs> it's not good. Um, but it's got a, a, a terrible you know, caricature of the uh, self-obsessed uh, writer. I think he ends up being the killer. Movies, m- movies rarely get writers right. I liked... Um I liked uh, f- uh, f- fine, fine mess. The Sean Connery and uh, Gene Seberg. No, I never saw that. Or is it Fine Madness? Like the magazine? fine, a fine mess is uh, Laurel and Hardy. Okay. Yeah, it's a fine madness. It's a fine, fine. madness. It's um. Yeah, he plays a drunk poet. Joanne Woodward is in it, Gene Seberg, Patrick O'Neill, and Sean Connery. It's very, very funny. I like drunk poets. Yeah. Yeah. Night of the Iguana. I sort of like that one that's Johnny Depp in a cabin. Is it called Cabin in the Woods? No, that's the... uh... That's, That's the, the weird horror movie. The meta horror yeah, movie, yeah. Which is great. It's really good. <laughs> it's really <laughs> great. Yeah. Yeah. I wish I could watch it for the first time again. Yeah. 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 I have rarely been so surprised and delighted by by a movie. Yeah. It's great. Uh Ruben Ruben. Henry Fool. Mm-hmm. Henry oh, Fool. Henry my, Fool. my favorite writer. Yeah. 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 That's probably the best. Uh, that's probably the be- the for me the most successful characterization of a writer. Yeah, is that ca- who's what's the name of the guy? What's the name of the character though? Who's the writer? It's not Henry Fool. The James Urbaniak. Yeah, Urbaniak. I don't know Simon probably. Yeah, I think it's Simon. Yeah, the bus driver. Yeah, uh, the movie bus driver. No, he's a bus driver in the movie, I think. No, he's a garbage man. Oh, he's a garbage I was thinking of uh, Magnus Mills, who actually was a bus driver. Right, right. Oh, I like. What's he, is he, has he continued writing? Have you followed his career since? I have, yeah. I think. the great. Is there um, a... All Quiet on the Western Express, or All <laughs> Quiet on the Orient Express. I don't think he ever got as much attention for any book as he uh-huh. got for his first one, The, the Restraint yeah. of Beasts. And I think the reason is because he has a shtick. Um, yeah. But I happen to adore it. <laughs> good shtick. Yeah. You know, it's a really good shtick and he he um, he sort of manipulates it in different ways and does interesting little things with it. So he's kept, he's been pretty consistent every few years uh-huh. he's got a book out. Yeah. What would be your your movie about a writer? The The one that I would make? Yeah, yeah. If you had to turn in a, a script by six o'clock tonight, what would be your 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 writer movie? I think it would be. I think it would be about a sort of Henry Darger like character. Hmm. A, a weird obsessive kind of um, shut in. Yeah, who's uh, not even very good at, good at writing, you know, but yeah. who has the compulsion. Yeah. Um. I'm a little I, I'm a little preoccupied with not just in the writing world. I think writing has a has a sort of romance to it that makes people want to try it and pursue it, um, even mm. when they don't have, have particular aptitude for it. <coughs> but people right. people who are absolutely obsessed with doing something for which they have no aptitude is interesting. Like the like the um, American movie documentary, Coven. Coven. Yeah. Which in a, you know. In a way, 
someone who's that obsessed with something is is good at it. They're good yeah. at being bad at it almost. Yeah. So I would I wouldn't mind a, I would like to I'd like to write a character like that in my writer movie. How about you? I've always liked the uh, uh, Philip K. Dick's uh, paranoid rambling accusations that he sent to the CIA about Stanislaw Lem <laughs> being a committee, <laughs> a committee that was designed to um, uh, to try to create a better science fiction writer than than Philip K. Dick. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, and I I, I think uh, um, a movie about that committee. Would, yeah, would be a, a yeah. Government government committee of writers, um, uh, uh, who are uh, who end up making something you know pretty good, right? Mm. Lem was pretty good. Lem was really good. Yeah, yeah. I, that, pref- that. I prefer him to Philip K. Dick. I have to confess. <laughs> oh, I do too. Um, I mean, Dick's. Wild ideas, but um, painful to read often. Yeah, you you really long for him to have been able to maintain sanity through an entire novel draft, or a uh, a scene, <laughs> yeah, uh, or that or paragraph, a scene with dialogue in it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I th- I think the time has come for me to decide: Am I going to make this? Uh, Mushroom ragu. Well, I think you should. You should. Your script is due at six o'clock. I think you should get to work on that. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. So, mushroom ragu, film script. Yeah. Uh, all right. Good. That's a day's work. Yeah. I'm going to receive a pie. Yeah. So I, I, my mother that I need to convey over to Craig at Mother Foucault's bookshop. Um, in thanks for uh, the bookshop allowing her book group to meet there a few days ago. Oh, it's very nice. I think it's of benefit to a bookstore to have a book group meet there, though. I don't know if they bought any books, but they're going to get, <laughs> uh-huh. he's get some pie. You know? All right, all right, sure. I'll yeah. change that for pie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I should figure out something to do. I'm going to drive back to Missoula tomorrow. Oh, so are you, do you, are you teaching the whole year? Or just that yeah. last semester. Oh, all right. Yeah, but it's uh, my my classes are on on the days that there are most frequently holidays or co- or days off of college. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, it's a weird schedule. Yeah, is that there are some weeks that we'll meet just once, and so I'll just come back to Portland a lot more. Oh, well, that's good. Yeah, but yeah, I'll be I'll be home a lot more than I was last semester. Well, uh, uh, my uh, and my life will be a little uh, will be fairly stable as usual. So, if you want to uh, do some more podcasting, you want to do some podcasting? Yeah, that'd be great. I'm into it. I have a microphone somewhere in, in front of you. I think we could probably use Skype. Yeah, no, no, that that would be a bad idea. <laughs> It always seems to be, doesn't it? <laughs> it's working okay today. That's why. That's why I was five minutes late calling you. It's you know because I, I I have yeah. to remember I have to open Skype like two hours before the podcast to make sure that I can reconfigure yeah. everything. Oh yeah. well. Yeah. 
Okay. Well, I don't think I was very entertaining today. That's but, all right. But I was here. Yeah, that's 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 what we want from you. Yeah. We, we want you to be there. Okay. So welcome happy, back. Happy 2020, John. <laughs> all right. Yeah, same to you, buddy. Look forward to good things in 2020. Are you hungry for lunch? Well, then let's have lunch. Do you want some lunch? Well, then we'll give you some lunch. Do you have a hankering for lunch? Well, then come to lunch. Because it's time for lunch. Box with John. That's right, it's time for lunch box with Ed and John.